I had met um, an individual, Chad, who at like the back of a trade show, like months, months earlier. Um, and we, and he was doing like a really cool kind of video analytics project. He was a security, security background. We'd always talked about, we were talking about trying to co-deploy some of our stuff together. They flew Wanami out to California to meet with some company that had some sensors. They had a lot of data and data collection stuff. We had a platform to take data and visualize it and act on it. Um, so it was like, okay, like let's put our heads together and think about how we really commercialize this and we have a couple of targets to do it. So um, this was, I think, in February, maybe January, February of 2017. And the flu wanted me out there to meet um, and really just brainstorm and talk through it. It was MLK Day and these guys didn't show up. <laughs> So like the sensor company like made some excuse about like, oh, uh, kids are out of school. I can't come up from San Diego. You know, we're, like when we're all sitting in the office, like waiting, you know, like for the when's this meeting where they're going to get here. It's like nine o'clock, 10 o'clock. Like, oh, we're not going to make it. One of the guys like neighbors, an attorney. He was just him there. We were just chatting. He's like, you know what, what you guys are talking about? It's very similar to like what, you know, these other guys I'm working with are talking about a lot, but I'm an attorney. I really don't know anything about software and don't know anything about this. So let me just call them up and see if they want to come up and meet. Uh, and so basically the next day, I guess you would say I pitched um, <laughs> to a grow, uh, like a, a grower, um, you know, who ultimately became, you know, our first beta client we went live with in July of that year. We basically just, it was like discovery, right? Like, again, <laughs> thinking back on that, you know, first day at Nike, like on site, where you just like just stand up in front of the room and make it happen. I just did it. Welcome to Lit Up, a founder's journey, a show about the entrepreneurial pioneers of the modern cannabis industry and the organizations they're building. Each episode features the founder themselves, sharing their life's journey that inspired the entrepreneur within to create the most impactful ideas in modern cannabis taking full advantage of every opportunity, both the apparent and the hidden, is the best way I could sum up our guest founder's journey. Growing up in rural Tennessee, he enjoyed all the nature and freedom country life had to offer. At the age of 14, he was identified by a teacher for a life-changing opportunity, nominating him for scholarship to boarding school, vastly opening up his world. In a biodiesel project, our guest discovered a passion for engineering early. It was a first step in following his passions for solving complex problems. A career day presentation from a global executive at UT solidified his focus on industrial engineering. Recruiting to a consulting firm, his very first day on site was training seasoned executives on their supply chain software that a small company may have heard of, Nike. He learned to just do it. His journey solving complex global business problems progressed from consulting to in-house, eventually starting his own consulting practice. During a trip out to California to meet with a potential client, the vendor never showed. Chatting while they waited, their solution sounded like maybe it could work for a friend of one of the attendees who happened to be a cannabis grow operation. After a listening tour and review of the marketplace, they saw the huge opportunity. In March 2017, they pivoted and dived full into cannabis. They have since grown the company to a full C2Sale software, helping to drive some amazing success stories of their own. Please enjoy the founder's journey of Colton Griffin, co-founder and CEO of Flourish Software. We met 
some folks in this industry who are really struggling to find software that uh, worked for their grow operation. Uh, and we did a deeper dive. I found out that you know a bunch of secondary connections were in the industry across the country, even in 2017. Uh, we talked to folks in almost 10 different states and, and determined that like the software people needed to use to run their inventory, their sales orders, their grow and their manufacturing operations just wasn't cutting it. Uh, and it was state mandated as well to use some sort of traceability software or interface of software. And so that lined up with our background uh, really, really well, um, looking, you know, with my background in enterprise software. And, uh, and we just saw an opportunity to build a tool set for people to run their business on, you know, from the ground up in a really, you know, intelligent way that would, that would help them, you know, execute faster, have eyes on everything, check the compliance boxes, and, and then really run the day to day. Yeah, really. What struck me about your company was it's beyond compliance. It's like, okay, yeah, we could trace all this stuff, but like, let's get intelligence about our our whole supply chain. And that wasn't there before. It wasn't. The, the leading inventory management software on the market uh, at that time didn't manage all the inventory. Yeah, was so, it like just, it, it tracked everything except the cannabis? Was that right? Just, or? Just, well, just the cannabis, just the just finished the cannabis. goods. Okay. Um, so, you know, not, not, no worries about all the other, you know, thousands and thousands of dollars of supplies and ingredients and, you know, um, actually a workflow that, you know, aligned to what you needed to use on a day-to-day basis. So, yeah, I mean, you know, we, like, we wanted to build, we'd already been working on a, an analytics platform on top of, you know, like different supply chain systems. And uh, so we knew, you know, we were very, very familiar with how these systems worked and, you know, what problems they were solving, large scale distribution operations, you know, and supply chain, you know, networks across the country. Um, you know, always loved cannabis and hemp uh, and, you know, wasn't 100% up to date uh, at that point on how, you know, everything was just, you know, coming to life across the country. But uh, there, you know, there was just a huge opportunity to build software to actually like run operations in this business uh, and solve like critical day-to-day, you know, needs uh, to automate, you know, processes to capture data, to provide reporting on top of, you know, what's happening in the business, um, to manage stuff at scale. It's, you know, it's it's fairly easy to to manage a very simple operation, pen and paper and sticky notes or whatever, but. You know, as volumes increase, you have to have these systems in place to align, you know, different business functions and to connect the different systems that people are inevitably going to use. And you know, we we just saw an opportunity to really build something that was that was new and that was uh, good and that worked. Yeah. That's a hell uh, of a provide a lot of value. That's a hell of a spark moment and a big big jump to be able to to jump in and let's let, let's start this thing let's let's build this so where are you guys at today with with flourish and i mean it's it's 20 you know currently as of the recording of this we're in spring uh 2021 uh about five years since you guys uh sparked this um where are you guys at today we deployed the software in 17 states. I've over 100 customers. Uh, we've seen our customers, some of our customers grow to be billion-dollar companies. Uh, it's been amazing. Uh, we, you know, we have three offices across the country: uh, Atlanta, LA, and Bend, Oregon. And um, you know, we're just rocking and rolling, getting the software in the hands of you know operators that are serious about running their business and 
uh, continuing to, to build out cool functionality to capture more and more and more of, of you know, what people do on a day-to-day -day basis. Uh, we started, you know, with a grow module um, just on a cultivation operation. Uh, today, fast forward, we're, you know, end-to-end -end platform doing cultivation, manufacturing, distribution, and retail, uh, which includes point of sale and delivery. Uh, we built a mobile app that sits on top of it. We have an awesome API and webhook engine as well. So it's a full-blown, you know, uh, platform, uh, really like enterprise grade, you know, like even on the infrastructure side, it's amazing to see, you know, what DevOps engineering team has done to have zero downtime deployment, like an awesome user interface, like all of this, you know, these new features get pumped out every other week. Um, yeah, we're just rocking and rolling. One thing we do with all the founders that we have on the show is we like to learn a lot more about how they became themselves before they started their business. So we roll it all the way back. Beginning of every founder's journey is tell me about your parents. Tell me about your family growing up, where you lived. I grew up in rural East Tennessee, uh, between Knoxville and Chattanooga. Uh, so you're a country town. boy. Um, yeah, in you know, kind of the middle of nowhere. Uh, it was great. A beautiful part of the country. If people haven't been, uh, there's a reason why Great Smoky Mountain National Park is the number one visited national park in the country. Uh, it, it is, it is uh, on my bucket list. It is it's worth, such a beautiful place. Worth seeing. I was about an hour and a half uh, away from that. So, um, yeah, nice green. Uh, you know, both my parents built nuclear power plants before, uh, you know, they stopped building them. The last one they built was in East Tennessee, and that's how we landed there. Uh, and and that was it. Uh, and you're like, oh, yeah, well, we're here now. <laughs> well, we're here. And uh, yeah, my dad, um, my dad started, you know, a small company, uh, just, you know, really infinite owner operator doing um, some stuff in the tree business. And my mom mm -hmm. took time off from work to raise us. And then she went back to work uh, as, you know, we got into high school. But um, how many of us is yeah. there? Uh, me and I have one brother, uh, like 18 months younger than me. Gotcha. Okay. 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 So you guys are country boys growing up in rural Tennessee, enjoying life out there. What was some of the stuff that you were getting into? What were you and your brother getting into trouble with as uh, as kids? Uh, Good trouble. You know, throwing rocks at each other, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> so you guys were outside uh, a lot, right? Yeah, for sure. I love, you know, going camping. I um, uh, just lots of outdoor stuff, right? Swim You're team. a fellow Eagle Scout too, right? I am. I did Boy Scouts all through high school. Uh, probably went camping once a month, uh, all of high school. So uh, a lot of nature stuff. Um, you know, we grew up on not really a farm. I had horses, uh, had some cows. Um, that but, counts as a know, farm, not, I think. <laughs> not, like, not like a working farm, more of a hobby farm. And uh, yeah, you know, swimming, uh, playing outside and, uh, you know, Having a, good, enjoying, having a good time enjoying as Enjoying what everything had to offer. That's that's awesome. That's awesome you had that opportunity. Now, I know you had an opportunity to leave the the rural country life. How did that come about? You got a scholarship, was it, to, to boarding school? I did. I, you know, I don't think my parents or I would have ever thought that I would go away to school. <laughs> but I left house at actually 14. Uh I went to uh, an amazing school in Chattanooga, Tennessee uh, called Baylor. Uh, I was part of a uh, first class of um, scholarships uh, for, you know, uh, merit-based scholarship uh, for, for students to come. And, you know, it, uh, I would say that dramatically changed the direction of, um, of 
you know, my life. So was it, was it focused like hard studying? Like you were always very studious, like good, good, good students and got there. Did your your mom or your dad push toward that? You're like, we got to get them out of here. They keep throwing rocks at each other. (laughs) I had a teacher, uh, in (laughs) middle school, I guess in seventh and eighth grade, whose husband was an attorney and he had gone there and her son had gone there. And basically they were launching the scholarship program and they were looking for people to apply. Uh, and she just identified me as like somebody that would be a good fit to do it and encouraged my parents to, uh, to, to see if it, where it landed. Uh, so, you know, um, we basically just sat around the table and decided, cool, this seems really interesting. seems like an amazing opportunity. Uh, went through the motions and, and you got it. There you go. It changed your trajectory. What was, what was her name? I think she deserves a shout out. Uh, Miss Parker. Miss Parker. Miss so, Parker. Changed, one of those, influ- one of those uh, it's amazing how, you know, a teacher can influence the entire course of your, your life. And, you know, I think she taught like computers and spelling. So yeah. um, <laughs> it worked, it worked, it worked, it worked out pretty well. So, it did. Um, so, so, so you're at boarding school. I, did I read somewhere you did like a biodiesel project in, in, in school? Was that right? So, you know, boarding school, it sounds like super pretentious, but I would think about it as like, a, you know, an undergraduate education. And just basically, that's what it was. I mean, it was, you know, full blown, like amazing professors, like an op- opportunity to live on campus with a lot of international folks. I had, you know, German roommate, like South Korean roommate. South, South African roommate. So this really uh, expanded I, your world. Really expanded the worldview. Um, you know, uh, definitely, you know, just also understanding like all sorts of people's backgrounds and everything. Uh, I did two two big things when I was in high school. One is I was, I, I did the outdoor program, uh, which was fun. Uh, we had, you know, basically had to do something after, after school. Um, and then two, I did community service. So I did a community service program tutoring, and then I started a community service program focused on uh, the environment. So we did like recycling. We like cleaned up people's lawns. We helped at the nature center building trails and doing type of work. Amazing. So yeah, it was a lot of fun. And, you know, as part of that, I had a, a teacher there that was a mentor for that community service program that, you know, just was encouraging us to do new stuff. And so 2007, 2006, 2007, uh, you know, biodiesel was kind of a hot thing, thinking about our energy usage, thinking about, you know, what we could do. So I did a really cool project uh, where we took, you know, the used cooking oil from the cafeteria and we turned it into biodiesel and put it in a lawnmower and drove it around. And it worked. <laughs> and it worked. And it worked. And, you know, we engineered the whole, um, the whole, the whole thing, right? So ethanol and I don't know, I have to stretch my mind to think about how you make biodiesel again. But, you know, we built the whole contraption to do it. Uh, it was pretty amazing. Uh, basically it, it's kind of a still, right? You kind of, <laughs> exactly, exactly. So you heat it up at a, a certain temperature has an alcohol that strips out the, um, some of the, the lipids and then, uh, then the rest of the fuel can be used in a diesel engine. So, yeah. uh, pretty straightforward. Uh, it's kind of, kind of amazing. And so that's, that, that's really how. Like I decided to pursue an engineering degree. Yeah, uh, that, that's really where that came yeah. from, right? Yeah, I thought I wanted to do business before. Uh, I guess I still do business now, but you know, I uh, I I think getting your hands dirty like, with you know a real sort of technical project like that, um, you know, was, was eye opening to you know how 
you know, diving deep in the, in the STEM world, uh, you know, could help propel your career. So. Did it suit your passions at that time? Because I mean, yeah. obviously, one, like you obviously love the environment, you love being outdoors, and then two, like it just seemed it it, it works works very well with your personality. You let yeah. those things shine. You did well with that. <laughs> yeah, That's fantastic. I mean, you know, it's just it's just fun, right? It's always fun building something. Uh, it's kind of fun pushing technology forward. Uh, it you know was just like a kind of a cool project, and cool. you know worked on it with some folks that were were fun to work on and you know, what, that's what kids like to do. Right. And they kept the ball moving forward. So you ended up, you're a volunteer. I am. Tennessee. How did you end up like, what was your decision process in like, I'm going to pursue industrial engineering and I want to stay in state. So I absolutely never thought I would stay in state to go to school. So, um, you know, really until spring of senior year in high school, like I had no intention of staying in the state of Tennessee. Uh, but you know, when it got to it, uh, you know, you had a sort of a choice of going to school for free or like paying $50,000 a year to go to school. And I talked to so many people that, you know, were different mentors and, you know, different, just, you know, professionals, right. Attorneys, doctors, uh, folks that on business, you know, folks I met through school and, you know, through the network. Um, and pretty much universally, like the advice was like, listen, you know, save your money and go to grad school where you go to undergrad doesn't really matter if you go to grad school. And if you get an engineering degree, it doesn't really matter where you go to school anywhere. Yeah. So, um, and you're going to a big name school too. So, I mean, cool. and, you know, I went up, uh, I toured, uh, I was part of the honors program there at UT. Uh, you know, they did a good job. They sold me on it. Uh, yeah. you know, the only mistake I made was not telling them that was my top choice. I probably could have got a little bit more money to go there. Uh, so <laughs> I mean, that could have been a negotiation tactic though. Being yeah. like, I got a little money from, uh, you know, over here. Always and, tell every school it's your top choice. So, you know, uh, <laughs> <laughs> don't be too honest. So, okay. you know, it was, it was a great decision, honestly, like, um, coming from, you know, sort of an elite you know, prep school environment to a, a very large state school, I think was grounding. Uh, it was, it was good to be around, I'll tell you like more normal people. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. Uh, I think that was like a positive thing and it, um, it was an amazing education. I mean, I loved, I loved going to school at UT. I had, I made great friends and worked on really cool stuff and, uh, I have, uh, zero regrets for staying there and, and going. It was, uh, um, it was an awesome experience. That's, that's fantastic. I'm glad you had a good time there. And you obviously chose the right major too, right? So I think so. I, I had, I thought I wanted to do civil engineering and, you know, like, uh, before classes, like all the departments will try to recruit folks into their department. So they, um, the industrial engineering department, I guess, had a, put a flyer up and said, Hey, free pizza, come listen to someone talk about what the hell this is. I mean, I would show <laughs> uh, up for that. So I would. <laughs> free t-shirt, free t-shirt, free pizza. Uh, yeah. I listened to a presentation for a guy who basically owned a set of factories around the world, um, doing contract manufacturing. Right. And I was like, okay, so you get to travel around the world. You like make all this cool stuff. You're making amazing money. Um, and you have an engineering degree and that's how, you know, just put it all together. I was like, okay, this, this seems like something I want to do. So I picked my major, you know, a couple of days before classes started and never really looked back. I probably would have picked industrial engineering if there was a, a sign. I would have fortuitously walked around, but uh, that's, that's amazing. I'm glad you, I'm glad you stumbled upon that random sign. You know, <laughs> and sometimes you it's take. So, yeah. okay. Um, was there any cool capstone projects that you worked on there? Anything, anything of relevance that kind of foreshadowed? You know, um, 
I definitely still didn't think I was going to be in technology until I started my first job out of school. But I, uh, we did, my capstone was on building the Habitat Humanity, like Habitat for Humanity projects. We basically looked at the process of doing the build and doing some of their stuff and like wrote, you know, some um, process improvement, you know, recommendations to help streamline, you know, how they were, how they were running the, the program locally. Uh, so it was pretty interesting. Uh, you know, I worked, I worked during college and I had a kind of a random set of jobs, but they were, you know, like 10 hours a week type, you know, pocket money to, to spend. And I definitely learned, you know, what I didn't want to do uh, through some of those. And those are you know, some I got valuable some, lessons. <laughs> you know, I, I had an amazing summer working out in Houston, you know, in the oil industry, um, you know, big heavy equipment uh, for Schlumberger, which has like 400,000 employees globally. Um, and, you know, I, I did realize that you probably couldn't pay me enough to live anywhere. They pump oil out of the ground. <laughs> and except for maybe Houston, I didn't, wasn't really hot on going back there. So, you know, I, 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 I kind of figured that wasn't the path for me. Um, Those are just as important on, as yeah. the, as the magnets too. Yeah. So, <laughs> or some cool, some cool manufacturing sites and stuff. I did some, some cool interns, uh, internships, like paid internships, like the state of Tennessee, you leverages, you know, the college of engineering some to do some like kind of consulting for, you know, local manufacturers and stuff to bring some talent in, um, which is good. So, uh, you know, you took, you took full advantage of it. You dived in, you had summer internships, you weren't, you know, partying in the mountains. You, you got to work. You did, you did the things you're, you're plenty, there to learn. Plenty of good, plenty of good times partying at school, but yeah, yeah you know, it's, uh, it's got some good relevant work experience. Uh, most of the, most of the time I was there as well. That's awesome. And it was fortuitous because you got recruited right out of college to, 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 to go into Manhattan associates. What was that process like? Cause they're a huge firm. So yeah, Manhattan is uh, a very large software company. They have like maybe 800 person professional services practice, like which is just responsible for deploying the software across their client base. They're headquartered in Atlanta. They recruit pretty heavily from University of Tennessee, uh, uh, Georgia Tech, Clemson, a couple other schools kind of regionally. Uh, so you know, like going through the whole job process when you're a college student, you go to the job fair, you're like, especially for me, I, I wanted to go to a bigger city and I wanted to get into consulting, but like PwC or Deloitte don't really, you know, recruit heavily from UT. So, um, you know, like you're trying to figure out like which these massive companies to apply to and, you know, doing this thing. So Manhattan um, recruited in the fall, I went down and did a whole interview, um, you know, spent the night, uh, uh, there like a two day interview thing, with a bunch of folks that gave a presentation, like while I went out to dinner, um, it was pretty intense and, uh, and then got an offer. So I had an offer like October, uh, you know, before I graduated the next that day. Was- that worked yeah. out nice. That was easy. That was great. It was yeah. great. I had no idea what I was going to be doing. Uh, you know, uh, I think, you know, I, I it was a very technical role. I ended up in a professional in the practice, like a, there's probably like a 10 person practice or there was probably five people and it turned into 10 while I was there. Um, and a little bit larger, uh, it, within the whole organization where we deployed all the analytics and reporting on top of the, the systems uh, that mm-hmm. they built. Uh, so it was pretty intense. Um, I had no idea what a database was really. I mean, I know I had never written SQL. I had never logged into any of the stuff. Like we, you figured it out though, right? Or yeah. they have you write like a script and you're like, I don't even know what a test script is, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> like the first it's, first day, no dumb day onboarding. It's <laughs> like it's like all right, like write a test script for the scenario. And so like there's like a Excel sheet in front of me, computer screen in front of me, and I'm like cursors blinking absolutely exactly it's exactly right you're kind of sweating it's just like sitting there you're thinking like there's like 20 30 people around you like some people are like typing away and you're like okay um can you explain what we're supposed to be doing <laughs> oh documenting step by step what you go what you what you're doing with the software so you can make sure it actually works as as it's designed okay i can do that yeah. is that what you got hired us to do <laughs> Uh, I was very happy that was not what I, I ended up doing for the next couple of years. Um, you know, there's a couple of different paths uh, in sort of IT consulting and stuff. And that's a pretty common junior role where you basically are going through the config and going through and making sure it all works. And, um, you know, you're using your systems thinking to, or your supply chain knowledge to kind of help synthesize the software and the business processes. But um, I was I was happy I was doing stuff that was a little a little more fun than that. I remember in one of the interviews, you were in part of a really tight team that was just building the analytics software on top of that. And you guys own the whole process. So like you were in a bit of a small little sub team of, of the whole thing. So you actually had some autonomy and you could be able to run as quickly as you guys wanted. Totally. I mean, if you think like true, like enterprise software um, deployments, a lot of times those projects are 12 to 18 months. Uh, so, you know, the team of five to 20, I mean, depending on how big it is and, you know, multi-million dollar you know, implementation budgets and, 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 you know, software licensing costs. Cause you're, you know, like our clients would ship a million plus dollars a day, a lot of times through one of their facilities, right. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, these crazy facilities with 40, 50,000 orders going through them every day. Like it's, um, it's pretty, pretty, you know, uh, beefy. Uh, and I was really lucky that like my projects were always like on top of those projects. So I would run like five or six simultaneous projects and do them end to end. Um, throughout the course, we kick it off, we get everything installed and set up, do all the modeling, uh, do the business requirements gathering, basically, you know, providing insights and filling in gaps on top of just the day to day from using the software. So, you know, working with sometimes line level people that needed, you know, quick hit things to do, you know, basic business functions to, you know, in their facility, all the way up to like more of the C level execs and you know, the, the visibility across, you know, across the network to understand what was happening. So it was pretty, it was fun, you know, really working with the business. And then you understood like the, the inner workings of what was happening because, you know, you had to track all the data across, you know, across, uh, uh behind the scenes. So I, I, you know, I didn't even need to log into the user interface. Like I was all behind the scenes and could just build it and then, you know, deliver different dashboards, reports, data warehouses, you know, transformations of data. Uh, we did some cool, really cool projects. You got in the, you got in the weeds rather quickly there. I mean, the first day on site, I uh, had a small client called Nike, <laughs> so uh, where we kicked off the project uh, with my senior director uh, about halfway through the presentation. It was supposed to be training them uh, for like the next couple of days, like doing a training sort of like design gathering thing. They stopped and said, "Hey, is this like some IBM technology you guys are working with?" And I was like, "Yeah, you know, we use that in conjunction with our other stuff." It's like, "Oh, great! We've been we've used this for like five plus years." I was like, oh, and I'm supposed to be training you on this. <laughs> uh, my, you know, my first, my first, my first client, my first time on site. So, um, you know, you, you learn to roll with it and, uh, you learn to roll you know, with it, to don't occasion. you? <laughs> so, you know, you know, and they were great. We worked together for, you know, another year or so, like off and on, um, you know, and, uh, you know, as part of a big global rollout, um, that Manhattan was doing with, with Nike. So, 
That's yeah. awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, you learn the role with it. So I guess that was probably the biggest takeaway from that one. You learn the role with it. How long were you at Manhattan for? Uh, uh, two years. So okay. Two, it was, uh, it was, you definitely got in yeah. the weeds very deep then. Okay. Very deep. I mean, you know, you're on site like within two months and then just running it end to end. So I traveled in uh, 10 different states the last year I was there. So, and I was only doing 50% travel. So, you know, bouncing all over. Bouncing around, getting your hotel rewards points up. Hey everyone, it's Brian Weber here. Just wanted to pause for a quick second and thank you all for listening and all the positive feedback and support we've received about the show. It means a great deal. I need to ask you for a small favor that won't cost anything but a minute of your time and it would mean the world to this show and our guests. Somehow, this show about the founders of the modern cannabis industry is not showing up when searching for cannabis or entrepreneur in many of the podcast platforms. That's obviously a big problem for a show about cannabis entrepreneurs. One of the things we can do to solve that is with reviews. Giving just one minute of your time to submit a review of this show using the words cannabis and entrepreneur in it will help us get found so we can keep sharing these amazing founders journeys. For new listeners, I really hope you consider this after enjoying this show. For our continuing listeners, if you can do this right now, I'd greatly appreciate it. Go ahead, hit pause. I'll wait right here. Thank you. So after that, you left for uh, a place, a company called Genuine Parts. What was yes. that? What was that prompt for you to move to to, to transition out? Two years enough, you got tough with you don't want to travel. You wanted a dog. I mean, what was the what was the move? <laughs> You know, I love to travel, um, but, you know, in, in moderation, uh, I still do. I still travel a similar amount. I, you know, I honestly, I was doing like a kind of a rescue project for a, a project that I wasn't really part of that was not going well, that was was pretty long and intense. A recruiter called me up and was in the airport on the way home and um, said, hey, we got an awesome opportunity for you to make a good amount more money. And, um, you know, they've really been looking for someone with your skill set, X, Y, Z. So I, uh, I said, sure, I'll take the call. Uh, did it turns out like it was across the street from my office. So it's the same commute. Um, you know, basically I went from, I went in house. Uh, so, yeah. you know, I, I went in into genuine parts, which is, uh, a fortune 350 company, um, some, something around that, uh, the car parts, know, right? Operation. Is that what they are? They own, yeah, Nap Auto Parts. Uh, so they're a conglomerate and they own three or four different subsidiaries with some other subs in it. So, um, uh, Napa is their biggest, you know, that's probably what people would know. Uh, yep. if you're in Canada, UAP, if you're in Mexico, I think it's Toto Auto Parts. So, uh, yeah. Uh, and you know, it was just, it was just a good way. Do you to love cars to... or was it just a compelling opportunity? And you're like, I care uh, about getting bits from here to here. Yeah. I mean, you know, <laughs> let's just say I, I wasn't waking up in the morning, like thinking about brake parts or, you know, yeah. or, you know, various car parts and stuff. No, it was just an opportunity to, you know, kind of push my skill set further. Um, and there's a big difference, you know, coming in and doing the engagement and setting things up and, you know, being a consultant versus like being the sysadmin and owning it. So basically I owned the entire, the entire system, um, you know, from design to maintenance to deployment. We, so I, I kept them on it after I left GPC, I still kept them on as a client. And like over the time I worked there, we deployed, uh, are reporting stuff to like um, maybe 120 distribution centers and on top of billions of dollars and in, in purchasing and spends. So 
you know, we were like, I was saving, you know, driving millions of dollars and in, in savings for the company and, you know, optimization. And, um, I really hope you worked out to your bonus structure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, it's always funny. Yeah. Uh, but I, we, you know, I was, I was well compensated and, gotcha. uh, it was good. It was a good, it was a great learning experience, you know, a couple years there, I was getting itched to do something a little bit more, but it was a great, you know, going from consulting into like just working for a big company yep. was a nice opportunity to kind of like settle down more, like make, you know, spend more time social, I did a lot of stuff in politics. Like I, um, you know, really was able to sort of pursue a lot of, uh, you know, more your life stuff. Not only you had, work, you had some um, passion projects that you were, you, you got into. So totally, yeah, totally. With, with politics, which I'm assuming uh, has come in handy learning the legal wranglings of the, the cannabis industry. How it's all, how the sausage is made. Yeah, it was yeah. great. We, um, I kind of had had a big political sort of bent when I was in sort of high school and college. And then, you know, you step out, you kind of focus on work. You're, you know, just kind of doing your thing. And then, uh, um, you know, at some point it was like, okay, I need to get back involved in in the community, uh, you know, doing something more more engaging. So uh, that was that was a nice opportunity for, um for me to, you know, have some better balance between work and When you're life. not on the plane the whole time. Exactly. Yeah. You can have some f- friends, you know, do all those, do all those good things. All those normal uh, things. All those normal <laughs> things. So, okay. So where are we at now? Like, so you're with, you know, you're with GPC for a few years. You're getting a feel for what it takes to run a huge supply chain in a huge company, disparate vendors, warehouses, different bit lines of business global huge huge so you're there for a bit how long you guys what are you there for and and what looks next you had mentioned that when you left you uh you took them on as clients so i did so uh they seeded a lot of this venture so (laughs) uh but i worked for it uh you know basically um uh i was there full-time for uh, another two years and then uh and then flipped the contract and uh you know and i basically just saw an opportunity i wanted to build something that you know from the ground up, not, not just do, um, the same work I'd been doing for at that point, four years. Uh, you know, I wanted to kind of push it further. I saw how much technology had the ability to affect change, like within organizations, how there's a lot of really cool tech, like modern tech that's out there that a lot of the bigger businesses, you know, it's just, there's an adoption curve, right? Like they're not always using the latest and greatest because it just, it has to be productized. It has to be, you know, built out, it has to get there. So I wanted to I wanted to build something. I stepped out. Uh, I said, "We'll do some consulting, make some money as we kind of form the concept, and you know, figure out like hiring the team and all this journey." So you know, I had them as a client. Did some work for Home Depot. Did some work with Uline. Some work with a big liquor distributor. Uh, you know, did some other kind of subcontracting work uh, with some other folks. It was it was great money. It was was this, uh, was this you or did you have uh, your other co-founders at the time too? So I had, I'd stepped out with a business partner who, um, ultimately ends up parting ways, but I, I hired my now co-founders as uh, my first employees. Okay. So, uh, yeah, so they, so, um, and I think back about like, you know, Bennett, who is an amazing developer and, uh, and we've worked together for a long time now. And like, basically I said, okay, cool. We're going to build something. And then I just kind of draw it on the whiteboard and say like, all right, let's build it. And then like, 
look at it tomorrow and see what it looks like and then make make changes to it. Uh, it like it was such a naive way of, of building software. Uh, and I'm like, I'm like, what were we doing? Uh, but you know, we, so basically like, like from like June to through February, um, one, like two, two, my, my two co-founders, Juan and Bennett, uh, uh, Juan was really doing consulting with me and Bennett was building this platform, uh, but which was supposed to be like a data analytics platform to suck data up between lots of different systems that, are, that, you know, these, these different, um, larger scale operations will be using. So they might have a telematics off of the, the forklift and they have a warehouse management system that has all the, all the inventory. They have warehouse control systems that do like different equipment, material handling, uh, and then just other sets of data that all kind of need to be blended together to get a full picture of what's happening. Um, and we built like a, a really cool algorithm, like AI algorithm to predict inventory, like inventory discrepancies, uh, you know, and trained it with some cool data. So you could, I don't know, like we're trying to push this whole thing forward and try to productize all the stuff we were doing in consulting. So your back um, goal was to do consulting, but you're building this back product on the end of this. So like you're using yeah. them as, as the, as a test clients to, to, to build the system that you're, you're, you're juicing. And gathering, gathering information and understanding like what problems we're solving and, you know, ultimately thinking like, how do you scale? Like we can, like, I can only work so many hours in a day, but I can build a piece of software and distribute to, you know, thousands of businesses, um, you know, and, and much, have much higher earning potential that way. So that's, that was the goal. Um, and then in, in March. So you just want uh, to retire yeah. early. I get it. I get it. Okay. Don't I, we all? I hear you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So we, so we, we ended up forming, you know, we fully focused on the, on the software company, uh, March of 2016. And basically we spent that following year still doing consulting, paying all the bills, but working on this platform, um, and meeting, you know, different folks and different connections. I mean, it was just a lot of discovery. This is not how I would recommend ever starting a company again. You were in search of the problem, right? Like you were out there wanting to build something in, in search of a problem to solve. Exactly. Well, and, and not having, we just, I did not have the respect um, for what an enterprise sales pro, uh, uh, process looks like, like a true enterprise sales process, you know, going selling into a billion dollar company. Um, it's a long process, isn't it? Consulting all day long, right? I could show you, hey, this product is going to save you X millions of dollars. And it was like, that's interesting. Um, we'll see if we can't get into our next, next quarterly business review to see if we want to evaluate it. And then another six months later, like we worked for an entire year to do a pilot done with executive sponsorship. And by the time we got the pilot for this, we had found, we had pivoted. You pivoted already. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, like, and it's almost an entire year to get, to do, like to solve what was a, a meaningful problem for the business uh, with. Was it a problem you know, worth, uh, worth paying for? And, and, you know, I, maybe we could have gotten there, but like it, it, the writing was on the wall that that was, it was just too slow. And yeah. um, it was, a, it was challenging. It was, a, we, were, we were picking a challenging problem to solve, like doing this. And, you know, honestly, the consulting is, is great, you know, and, and, probably why that exists. So stick with the wheelhouse um, that you love and know, right? Yeah. So. so there was a trip. So you guys, you guys are out, you guys are consulting for customers and there was a trip in, in uh, 2017 that you guys went out to California. So, so I had met backing up a little bit. I had met um, an individual Chad who at like the back of a trade show 
like months, months earlier. Um, and we, and he was doing like a really cool kind of video analytics project. He was a security, security background. We'd always talked about, we were talking about trying to co-deploy some of our stuff together. Uh, he, um, there's just a lot of backstory to it, but it's kind of irrelevant. They flew Wanami out to California to meet with some company that had some sensors that were supposed, you know, that had all this kind of, they had a lot of data and data collection stuff. We had a platform to take data and visualize it and act on it. Um, so it was like, okay, like let's put our heads together and think about how we really commercialize this. And we have a couple of targets to do it. So um, this is, I think, in February, maybe January, February of 2017. And the flu wanted me out there to meet um, and really just brainstorm and talk through it. It was MLK Day and these guys didn't show up. <laughs> so like the sensor company like made some excuse about like, oh, uh, kids are out of school. I can't come up from San Diego. Right. So or, Thanks for the heads right? up. I appreciate you. <laughs> oh, you know, we're, like when we're all sitting in the office, like waiting, you know, like for the when's this meeting where they're going to get here. It's like nine o'clock, 10 o'clock. Like, oh, we're not going to make it. Okay. Um, one of the guys just affiliated with some other people that were in the office. It was a really construction company. Um, it's like nothing to do with cannabis. Uh, but one of the guys, like neighbor, was an attorney. He was just him there. We were just chatting. He's like, you know what? What are you guys talking about? It's very similar to like what you know these other guys I'm working with are talking about a lot. But I'm an attorney. I really don't know anything about software and don't know anything about this. So let me just call them up and see if they want to come up and meet. Uh, and so basically the next day, I guess you would say I pitched, um, <laughs> to a grow, uh, like a, a grower, um, you know, who ultimately became, you know, our first beta client we went live with in July of that year. Uh, but we, you know, we, we basically just, it was like discovery, right? Like, yeah. again, <laughs> thinking back on that, you know, first day at Nike, like on site where you just like, just stand up in front of the room and make it happen. Uh, you know, you, um, you, make it work. you just did it and, you know, talked about like, tell me about, you know, growing cannabis. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, see in the software, we could track X, Y, Z. And like, you know, I, I definitely understood the concepts of kind of what needed to happen, you know, in a, in a facility, but, um, you know, just spark the conversation. It was, it was kind of a, a crazy sort of very, journey to get this thing off the ground, but uh, very, very fortuitous. So how, after how much long after that initial meeting with them that you guys were like, we need to go all in, we need to, we need to flip the company. We need to pivot. Well, so we, we drove back to, you know, from, from Orange County to LAX, it wasn't a small drive <laughs> back uh, that afternoon. We're just chatting. We're like, I think there's really something here. Like, you know, LA is bigger than the entire cannabis industry at the time. And it's all coming online, you know, first of January, 2018, with adult use, um, you know, like there's clearly seems like an opportunity. So we spent a couple of weeks just finding anybody that we could find to talk to uh, about, you know, this problem, right? Like, what do you guys use for software? What do you, what, what are your problems in this industry? Like, what's this look like for you? Like, are you willing to pay for it? So and, you know, we went on a listening tour. Totally. And, you know, MJ Freeway was, I guess, the leader at that point. And they had that massive hack and, you know, all the data was exposed. I was like, okay, so this is the leader. And, you know, they had massive security breach. And I've, you know, it's really, you know, not met anybody that that has anything good to say about, you know, any of the software there that's in the market right now. It seems to be a giant, giant pain point for people. It's like, it seems like it's mandated by the state to have this stuff in place. 
like this fits it. So we just sort of forked the code. Uh, I'd say March 1st of, of uh, 2017 and kind of iterated on it. Um, you know, I had like three meetings, right? We had to like design this. We had like a, you know, and I flew to Oakland to just go to like a cannabis conference, like see what it was really about in person. Right? Like, someone's got to do it. It seems like a, someone's got to do it. Such so, a horrible trip you got to do, but you're like, fine. Uh, I'll do it. You know, staying like a, $50 a night, like a Airbnb, right. In Oakland, right? um, just kind of showed up like no, you know, business name yet. Um, uh, right. We're, we're building a software platform. You know, I don't think by that point, I was like, cool, April, come on in, man. Yeah. Come in, in <laughs> like, great. Like, this is what, it was very clear that this needed that needed. There was an opportunity here. Like yep. to me, like just sitting in the sessions and stuff, it was, it was, it was obvious. So we, we fully went in probably in um in May of that year. We named Flourish Flourish. We stood up the website. We like just fully focused on getting, you know, um the platform built out to to at least get it deployed and hit a, you know, into summer beta launch. Wow. Where 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 the name come from? It makes perfect sense, but like what was the uh what was the uh analogy of that? You know, um when we started this company for the first year and a half two that we worked we just worked out of like a big creative space with no desks like just whiteboards and random events that would happen there like at times certain times of the week um and we just spitballed things we actually almost named the company leafy uh i'm sure leafy's <laughs> lawyers would have loved that one well <laughs> a week or so after i bought the domain actually discovered that there was the other company called leafly that was like way too similar <laughs> so um yeah so we, we we dropped that and uh you know it, it just it just popped at gotcha. some point you know it just yeah. came like it's so hard to name a company i feel like it's uh, you know, flourish is perfect. Flourish is perfect. Flourish. You, 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 you it, nailed it right there. So, so you guys were all in. Did the co-founders need any like, like who was was there a lagger? Was there a leader uh, between the, the three of you? No, I mean we all we all saw that we had, you know been at that point working together. And and Hardik, who had been working as an intern uh, first, and graduated from Georgia Tech, and then went full time. You know, like the four of us, you know, all saw opportunity here i mean we just saw it i mean you know we said hey there's massive market you know vertically specific software makes a ton of sense build a platform out we actually had no intention of doing retail but we ended up doing it and it's been a great product for us um you know we said like let's fits with our skill set like seems like it's going to be a you know we'll know in six months if this is working or not so you know like We've done a lot of work. Like, like, let's go ahead and just take it there. Let's give it a so. shot. Let's give it a shot. So you were focusing on the cultivation first. That was your first module of all this. You were envisioning the whole chain from from the beginning? Totally. Our first three clients were, one was a Southern California cultivator. Another was a Florida vertically, oper vertically, vertically integrated operator, but we were focused on the cultivation manufacturing first. And then the third was an Oregon manufacturer. Small, really small one who one of the people that helped found it was like a product manager that I had lunch with and like said, cool, you guys can use this as a test. I was like, you got to pay me something because, you know, 500 bucks a month. Okay. Great. Um, that was, that was, that was, and you're buying lunch. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, well, I probably bought lunch at first. But, uh, now now he's know. a paying customer, of course. There you go. So it was, so we, you know, we had like, those are three different regulatory environments, three dramatically different companies we were working with did you like, choose to go so wide for different states on purpose to get different regulatory environments to get different so you have a business rules module for each state um well 
I, I said from like the beginning, if we're going to do this, we're going to do this to be, you know, billion dollar company. We're not going to be, we're not going to do this to be like a little here relevant today, not relevant tomorrow app. Mm -hmm. Right. So um, that means this needs to make sense past federal legalization. It has to, it has to, there has to be defensibility in here if all the regulations disappear. And, you know, and that means like a national landscape. I mean, at some point, like we're going to be able to sell across the country and businesses of size, you know, are going to need the software to be running, you know, their operations. And so, um, you know, did we need to do that day one? No, there's a lot of stuff to be solved, like between then and now. But, you know, I think we've done a really good job of, of designing something that was relevant. It's going to be relevant after legalization. And um yeah, and it's built for that that type of business. Start with the end in mind on that. Okay, so that was there. So the first one was we got three different locales. We got we're going to focus on our cultivation. We're going to get that up and running, uh, and then have you know different different. Oh, then I was like, this, yeah. like November, like we got to launch manufacturing. <laughs> like, I was like, no, like I'm I booked a, I booked a trip to Oregon to yeah. go train them. So the code needs to be pushed by the time we get. I get Slice to Oregon. Bucks, non-refundable guys. We got to do this. Let's go. We got push, it. Push, right? push. So we're gonna, I'm going to be there in person. Like we got to figure out we pack it together. You know. Oh, there's this thing called metric as well that we have to deal with. Uh, what was right? the What was the initial funding of all this? Like, was it self-funded to the three of you guys? Did you have like friends and family rounds? Were you? So all- I was. I was cutting checks, uh, you know, if I still was doing consulting, you know, for like two years into this, I mean, okay. still like moonlighting, um, you know, where you're tag teaming, do it. I, that the consulting stuff I was doing, like the sort of the IT managed, you know, outsource IT services and stuff was at that point, I was like, I'm just been doing it for so long. It was like, I could do it at night. I could do it in the weekends. I could do it whenever I, I didn't have to, I mean, not that it wasn't a distraction from doing some of the other stuff in the business, but it was pretty manageable and it was, we we're making good money. So, yeah. um, you know, I just put all that back into the business and then we raised, um, you know, uh, a couple, like we raised, uh, like some safe notes, um, that we ended up converting into our, our first equity round. Uh, so just some friends and family, um, mm-hmm. sort of small. Okay, so funding, funding wasn't an issue then. Like you, so you had money, but uh, you're doing the well, we had no money. Yeah. <laughs> so we had enough money to, uh, I, I don't think I've ever, I think I made more in college, uh, working 10 hours a week than I made that whole year, uh, yeah. 2017. Um, but, uh, I mean, but you're a founder uh, with a vision. Enough, that's that's what you need to sleep to pay, on. To pay the team, right. So the team always got paid. So, okay. um, and you know, we, we really had no expenses. I mean, we worked, it was the the guy the place we worked at for office space was like a hundred bucks a month or something. And if we didn't pay it for a couple of months, I just like caught up when they got the cash in the bank. And <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> it was, That's it amazing. was pretty it was pretty few string budget. I mean, you know, um, yeah. Were you guys still operating out of the out of Atlanta at that at that point? Yeah, we were all in Atlanta. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay. So, so that's growing. Manufacturing's gotta launch. Are you growing the team now at this point? Like, is it beyond the three of you? End of seven, end of seventeen, we hired a designer, uh, uh-huh. Michael, who's still with us. Like we talked about, you know, the app looking good. I mean, I would think one of the better decisions I made, you know, um, was was engaging someone to manage our UX and our yeah. UI. And like we've done three overhaul, not overhaul, three updates, three major ones, like lots of little tweaking. But having a designer on hand on time. First, it was like a couple hours a week, and then it was like two days a week, and it was like four days a week, and it was like full time. Okay, Michael, you got you got to you got to just join full time at this please, point please, by please. Like January, February. Um, and uh, um, and then we had like hired a developer, and you know we we really um, 
like even until we got funding uh the following year we just sort of like hacked this together and we had a lean lean team and it was all engineering i mean it's all it was we're just who's the sales company. guy was that you yeah yeah you're out there you're out there selling it me and and hardick on the team like we just we would do we would do demos all the time and like we would have the demo would be our mocks and it would be like basically just customer discovery because nobody knew what they wanted like most of these operators were all like brand new right or like they've been operating the legacy market for a long time but they had they didn't really know software we we knew software but we didn't know some of all the nuances to it and we were in atlanta so we just did a lot of customer discovery like like out like we demo all the time we demo to anybody that would let that would talk to us because um, you get practice out you know, of it right we you, get learn, to learn, you get to learn, learn something from it too totally and you know and really keen on the software you know and and our what is our you know like uh, our largest client today, Parallel Brands, which was Certera. I mean, you know, they knew where they were wanted to go with all this, and mm-hmm. so they um, they were helping push some of the stuff forward. But they also like didn't have at that point they were still young. I mean, they hadn't raised 165 million dollars they raised since or, or whatever yeah. more that has right. So like they were out of WeWork as well, right? And, and we we were able to be sort of trusted advisors to them on like software and some supply chain best practices because we had done it and done it at scale. And like, you know, it's like, cool. You guys are doing like 10,000 square feet right now. Like now we, we managed, you know, a million, million square feet. Of yeah, how many, how many warehouses you want to have with all this? Yeah. 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 And so, um, it was, it was, it was scrappy the whole way, the whole day. You found some good partners that you could grow with on that one. We did, uh, and I know it sends we, a that account huge. It yeah. sends a client of yours as well. So, um, so some big MSOs involved there. Yeah. So I want to hear about you had a bit of a funding flop. <laughs> <laughs> I would say you know raising money is never easy. Raising money in cannabis just a little harder than normal. So right, like you just got to wade through like who can write the check and then. You know, like it's it's a it's just a huge effort. So um, let's think. We we closed a seed round. I guess we saw a seed round. It was crunched out. Like it was uh, from like a strategic investment um, in 2018, and then we were really that was supposed to be just like the first part of like a bigger round. And we got all the way to the end, and like right before Christmas, the end of the year. And I had like a half million dollar commitment and I had some other folks like circled up to kind of fill it in. We were going to do another million. And then it just, they pulled out. Oof. They just said, Oh, change of direction. Like we're not, we're just, we're not going to make an investment in the space. Um, and it's like, uh, of course, like it's always before the holidays. <laughs> so uh, we did a reset and, you know, we, we just kept hustling and we, we did end up closing around um, uh, um, led by uh, 730, which was great. And we had some great VCs that came into it and some angels um, uh, in the summer of 2019. But uh, that took um, a, that took a, good six months, seven months, yeah. eight months for you guys to, to figure it out. Well, we, we signed the term sheet. I feel like we signed the term sheet in April and we closed in June. It was a very painful process of markup and getting the docs ready and just getting it all done. And we got it done. Like, and we got it done. We got it done. There, there was no choice, but to get it done at the point we got it done. So, as, a, as, uh, a, as a reoccurring theme in our interview here, you just got it done. You had to make it work. You have to. So. Yeah. That's the, that's, that's the founder mantra right there. Make it work. Um, 
Christmas wasn't a good holiday for you either. I'm hoping 2020 was better. You had a you had a rough year in 2019 too. Yeah, in 2019 we had a one of our big clients. Uh, made an acquisition. There was a little internal campaign from the acquisition to boot us out and take a competitor in. So yeah, you know, the day before the haul, I, I was planning to spend a couple of days off on the holiday, get a call and saying, Hey, you know, I think we're going to be moving in a different direction, um, which was a material issue on uh, my mm-hmm. end, not to mention I was at that point uh, starting the process to raise some more money. Uh, and uh Giant, so just um, from a client perspective, a, a client footprint, a billable issue, a revenue issue, a story issue, and all the issues. All the issues, you know, and oh, well, everyone's going to be on vacation throughout the week. So there's really no, we'll talk about it, you know, right? Like, thanks. Um, you know, it's it's challenging, right? You just, you, you can't take things for granted in, in any business. Um, you know, it takes con- constant, constant work and attention. And, you know, I think there was... At the end of the day, it it was like it was challenging, but a month or two later, we we worked through things with the client and we we locked the the account in for a three year deal at significantly more than what we were trying to be underbid at. And uh, and it's been a great working relationship since. That's amazing. And what were, what were some of the takeaways from that? Like, what was the lessons that you went through with you as a founder and your team, with with working with you know the, the end client? Um, and obviously, it's just, you're not just selling on price here, because obviously, if uh, we're not, I mean, yeah. we're not ever selling on price, and we're often, you know, I hate losing deals on price. But at the end of the day, like yep. you know, um, software is not cheap to build and maintain and deploy and support. And yeah. You know, if we were selling, you know, a little app that no one ever talked to us about uh, to 50,000 people, then, you know, we, it can be a $50 a month app. Yeah. Uh, but if you expect enterprise grade software and enterprise grade support and services, like you kind of have to, to pay for that. Yeah. Um, so, you know, lots of, of those, yeah, what were some of those teen lessons take away at the, like a debrief meeting that you guys went you through? You know, um, it's really important to get, you know, identify who your champions are at, you know, at key accounts and give them dedicated attention past just like the day to day. Right. So, you know, we're doing, you know, quarterly business reviews, like more strategic meetings, like, like making sure that we're tracking and highlighting, you know, all the stuff that we're doing right for at, at the exact level. Um, you know, it's something maybe take a little bit for granted. Cause like, well, obviously like we're all busting our ass and delivering new stuff like every other week for you guys. And, you know, you guys are like saving millions of dollars, like doing, you know, this and that. And, you know, of course you see that. Uh, oh, wait, no, we actually need to talk about it and celebrate it and sit back and review it. And, you know, and so some of those things were, were just like, we've, we've incorporated that into other accounts and stuff across the company. Cause, you know, um, of course, like every client can't get you know, like a hundred hours of service a month or whatever, but, um, you know, but like key accounts that are big and growing and scaling and need, need that, like it's, um, you know, it's important to build those points in. And, uh, and then, yeah, I I learned a lot about just like navigating the, you know, the corporate, the corporate landscape of, um, which board, director, which board director to ping and which one to leave alone <laughs> board, board alignment. And yeah, there was, there was a lot of, of just soft skills and, and stuff that, that, um, that came out of that. So well, your, your days of political work, I'm sure helped out during that time as well. <laughs> you know, it's, um, uh, it, 
you just don't know what life's going to throw at you sometimes. So yeah, don't yeah. take anything for granted. No, <laughs> do not, do not. I guess that's a that's probably, we'll get to the semi wrap up questions soon, but that's probably a, a good mantra within the, the cannabis industry. Um, so we're fast forwarded. Hopefully you had a great 2020. What is, you know, what does the rest of the company grow look like? So, you know, now we're in, you know, we're, we're in early summer, maybe, um, uh, 2021 to be wishful thinking. Um, what did that next two years of the company look like for you guys? Just expanding out to different States, increasing the footprints. So it's really, at this point, it's really about growth. I mean, we have a pretty amazing product roadmap for each of our products. Um, that we're executing on and, you know, continuing to invest in the team behind that. Uh, there's a couple additional geographies I'd like to get launched in, you know, this, in this year, um, uh, and just the, the biotrack state integration, we need to build that to launch into some of those states. Um, and uh, it's really just around growth. I mean, you know, the foundation of this company is built and solid Last year, we spent a lot of time just shoring up things and, and tightening, you know, keeping keeping things pretty lean. I mean, you know, there was a lot of uncertainty last year about where things may be going. I mean, obviously, the cannabis industry came out like really, really well, um, you know, and, and same for us. But, you know, you didn't really know um, until the year was progressing, like where things were going to land, right? Yeah. Um, so last year was a lot of just tightening stuff up and, you know, and shoring up, shoring up the product, shoring up our processes, you know, figuring out you know, how you repeat them and scale them out. So this year it's a lot more about scaling them out. So uh, new, new um, head of uh, new VP of growth, uh, helping me really tackle sales and marketing, excited about a lot of our, even this year, our marketing traction to date. I mean, I think we're doing some really good stuff and uh, you know, in the market, just helping, you know, talk about the right things and be thought leaders. Um, yep. And yeah. Uh, yeah, and we're always building. So we got got lots of cool product stuff in, in store for the client base. And always building. Well, what is client. what is coming up next? What does the future look like for for you guys? Yeah, I know. I saw a few different places, partnerships, and obviously banking is um is a big thing. Um, you know, for the totally. Um, you know, we're for manufacturers. We're gonna do um, a V two on our manufacturing. We've worked with. I mean, we have some really amazing, sophisticated manufacturing clients, and you know what we built. Uh, when we launched it was a leading platform uh, and it was like changing the game for a lot of folks. And now it's time for us to build the next iteration of that. So uh, we've done a lot of good customer work and discovery um, this last, this year so, so far. So we're, we have that planned uh, probably for Q3 um, to get that done and launched. Uh, we're continuing to just double down in investments and integrate integrations. So, you know, we've co-deployed with Salesforce and NetSuite and, uh, Magento and Shopify and, you know, WooCommerce, like all these big, you know, leading, you know, platforms. And we're continuing to build out, you know, additional capabilities to support that and be that anchor, that centerpiece of what clients use to run their business. Is that for mainly the hemp space, obviously, just with like... Uh... The NetSuite one is in in Canada uh, yeah. with a Canadian client, um, though the rest are here. Uh, some okay. of the hemp, like Shopify is hemp. Um, yeah. uh, the other, um, Magento and WooCommerce are, are great for cannabis, Salesforce cannabis, uh, some other CRM integrations there. So um, so that's that's a big one. And then, you know, like, you know, every, like just every product, we're just like pushing it further and further, right? Like there's like, there's, there's, um, there's like 500 things in my backlog that were that were that we identified and prioritized and we have a meeting every other week and we get through and you know and, and trade horses and line them up and you know we're just like rapidly doing 
sometimes the quick wins that deliver a lot of value and other times like bigger projects that take a couple weeks or a couple months to get over the finish line. So I can imagine. Yeah. I know you guys have your own retail platform, but like, are you going to integrate with other, other retail platforms as well that there might not be a, you know, a supply chain system behind those? Uh, yeah. I mean, you know, we have a great partnership with Koba, so we yep. deploy with them every so often. Um, you know, uh, we have, we've launched our retail in like five states. Uh, we'll probably bring it into another five states or so this, this year. Um, we just like to get it right every time we do it. I mean, yep. and, you know, the when I think about what our retail portfolio looks like, I mean, they're multi-location, pretty complex, vertically integrated operators. Uh, and, you know, we have some really great functionality like Florida or for Virginia, that like it's it's differentiated uh and mm-hmm. the platform is amazing so um we'll we'll inter- i mean integrate is kind of a weird word because like retail front of house is a little disconnected from like rest production it is so it's yeah. mostly just like a shared item master um and you know that doesn't have to be like a product integration really sometimes we jump through the track and trace or it's just uh keeping data in sync uh, but we're comfortable. We have a bunch of clients that use other points of sales that either we just haven't launched in that state or, yeah. you know, they were, they were there and the other POS brought us in to handle and the rest of the needs. They'll make it work. They'll have their silos, make it That's work. Right. So you don't have to be everything to everybody, but you don't. Yeah. Cool. Well, I like, I like this trajectory. I, it's amazing meeting you, Colton, like the, you've done so much in such a short amount of time. Like it is absolutely amazing to, to go through this. So I have a few closing questions for our founders on here. What is your North star? So when you're, you're, when you're dealing with a tough decision, like what do you come back to, to find your path? Uh, you know, just strongly rooted in, you know, trying to make, trying to make a positive difference in the world. And, um, and abide by a strict honor code. So, uh, you know, it's, uh, that's it. You know, I, I like to, uh, like reputation is everything and that, and I've been spending a lot of time. I mean, we have some cool stuff. I'll, I'll tease. I, I'm not ready to kind of fully launch that just mm-hmm. on trying to take this platform to really drive some positive changes in, in this industry and in the world. And, um, so, you know, we, we just always try to do the right thing, do the right thing. Do the right thing. Don't be evil. I like it. Okay. Um, when you are not being co-founder and CEO and trying to raise funds and trying to manage dev and trying to keep your to-do list, when you have a little bit of free time, how do you enjoy that? Oh, um, you know, I fully embraced all the outdoor activities this last year, which has been great. Uh, so, um, you know, enjoy that. Uh, I, the beauty of being remote first is that I do love to travel and I'm able to, to sneak in some, some good travel, uh, often, uh, which is great. And, um, you know, spending time with friends, I, I a huge political sort of, um, responsibility and, and political involvement for a good number of years. I dialed some of that back, um, last year and a half, just because I had to focus. I, if I'm going to commit to something, I want to fully commit to it and not like say you're going to do it and not show up. So, I've dialed that up back a little bit, but I'm, I'm eager to sort of pick some of that back up sometime, you know, this year. Uh, but yeah, you know, um, enjoy the disconnect when, when able. Disconnect and give back. Disconnect and give back. Um, are there any cannabis or, or non-cannabis founders that, that you look up to that you've, um, you, you found people to, to, to model after or mimic? Oh. I usually ask for two if you have two. If you don't, that's fine too. 
Yeah, I, d- I don't have too top of mind. Okay, <laughs> so cool. I read a lot and I love hearing people's stories. And there's been so many, there's been so many different folks that, you know, have been influential. I mean, you know, two of our board members, right? Like one led Oracle's retail division, worked for Larry Ellison for like 20 something years. Another founded uh, Blue Ridge Global, which is a huge inventory optimization suite, um, enterprise grade software for traditional supply chain. Uh, and, you know, sold and company to Amazon and, and interim and, you know, has, has been a great board member and coach. So like just even on our board, I mean, two great sort of uh, different, but uh, relevant, you know, mentors uh, over, over the last year and a half or so. And yeah, I mean, you know, there's a lot of different, different folks I look up to. Um, That's amazing. That's amazing. In one of the interviews, you, you complimented how great your, your board is for, for, for you and for the company. So Congratulations on getting that taken care of. Um, is there any wisdom about the cannabis industry you'd like to share? Just some general knowledge. Is anything out there? It doesn't have to be too Yoda-esque uh, or, or specific, but anything that that would resonate that you'd want to impart onto somebody who's either interested in, in Flourish or, or getting in the cannabis industry? I mean, two things. One is we're still early. It, every day it feels late. It feels like, oh, it's already been solved. It's already been done. We're still early. I mean, we're we're so early in what this industry is going to look like. Um, You know, the winners are not established yet. Like they're like this market. I mean, is going to be transformed dramatically, probably a couple times in the next few years. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't be scared to you know think, oh, it's already been solved. It's already been done. I mean, it's uh, or we're still early. And then dovetailing off of that, and it's sort of this is our opportunity to build the industry that we want to see. So it only happens once, uh, you know, and it's never, we're probably never going to be part of something like this in our lifetime again. So we should be seizing on every moment and opportunity in front of us to direct and drive this industry to be an industry that looks like what what we want it to look like, whatever that may be. That may may differ person to person, but uh, it is, um, it is the people that are in it and the people that are around it that will, that will shape what this looks like. And, uh, the book has not been written yet. So that's, that's amazing. I like, that's a very good, uh, that's a very good closing line right there. So the book has not been written. You're going to, you're going to write a good chapter. You're going to write many chapters. Right. I see. It's not been finished. <laughs> um, so for people who are interested in connecting with you, Colton, or, or with Flourish, what are the best ways? There's so many ways we're all on the instas, but, uh, are you a LinkedIn fan? Are you an email guy? You uh, just go to the you website. Know, replace my Facebook usage with LinkedIn. I think it's healthier. But yeah. um, <laughs> I, uh, I'm on LinkedIn pretty often. Uh, it's easy to find Colton Griffin to you, like a unique name. So um, I should be pretty easy to find on LinkedIn. That's probably the best. Uh, for Flourish in general, it's at Finally Flourish across pretty much all those social platforms. So Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, um, LinkedIn as well. We try to cross post a lot of our content across all of them. And, uh, and yeah, I mean, you know, always happy to, to connect. Colton, thank you for sharing with our listeners and the cannabis community at large, your, your founder's journey today was pretty, uh, it's very interesting story. And we're, we're seeing some threads of, of where, where you came from and where it's growing. So thank you for awesome, sharing. Brian. Yeah. Well, my I really pleasure. appreciate the opportunity. Thank you for listening to Lit Up. Founder's Journey, a Lit Up Media production. I'm your host, Brian Weber. This episode was produced by Anthony Margola, edited by Brian Weber and Anthony Margola, theme music by Justin Cruz of Cruise Control Music. Links from today's episodes are available in our show notes. 
If you received any value from our show, please take a second and leave a review in iTunes and share with your friends and colleagues. It really helps. You can connect with us on our website, litupfounders.com, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at litupfounders, and on LinkedIn at litupmedia. Finally, our email address is feedback at litupmedia.com. Thanks for listening and sharing the journey.